0: Hello and welcome to The Rabbit Hole, the Definitive Developers podcast, live from the buggy down Bronx. I'm your host, Michael Nunez, our co-host today. Dave Anderson. And today we're going to ask, do I need a single page app and what is prototyping? And how are we going to figure out the thing I need to build? Because we got to start something, right, Dave?
1: We do, but I don't know where to start, (laughs) but we do have a Sherpa to guide us or at least a friend. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) <laughs> yes, <laughs> friend of the show.
0: Yeah. Today we have uh, Stephen Merriweather. How's it going, Stephen?
2: Hey, Bobby. Hey, Dave.
0: What's going on? Tell us a little bit about yourself and where you've been at lately in this world of development we're in.
2: Sure. So I'm a software developer consultant at Stride. Um, I've been with Stride for a little over two years now, but for the past five or six months, I've been helping small businesses and entrepreneurs build product Primarily with with no code and, and low code tools, and so this idea of rapid prototyping, getting something to market before building out a, a giant code base and a giant test suite is something that I've been thinking a lot about over the past few months.
1: Those words are like kind of blowing my mind. Like whenever I hear like no code and low code, it just feels like such a far away <laughs> land from where. I find myself often as a consultant where people have established code bases. They have typically react. I feel like it's very common. Yeah. And then there's like, you know, some kind of API backend, uh, like a Python, a go a JavaScript good. again. Yeah. yeah. Like, but you know, and there's, there's a lot of stuff that goes along with that. There's a lot of tests. There's a lot of like infrastructure, CICD, all that good stuff.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think there's a place for all of that. Uh, it's, I'm I'm interested to explore with both of you where that place is. But I think there's also a place before you have any customers, before you have really any money to build out your idea into software and then get that in front of people. And I think with some of the new tools that exist out there. It allows people to do that quickly and, and cheaply, and so and so that's what I've that's what I've been doing.
1: Yeah, I, I recently, within the past couple of months, went through a Google Design Sprint. So you know, I did I did go back and I I re-listened to our episodes that we did together, episodes number one fifty two and one fifty three, the Google Design Sprint and you. So that was like very helpful for me because like uh, we were starting from scratch; we didn't have anything. But the thing I struggled with a, a lot while we were building out this product was like, when do we reach for like the big guns? Like, when do we when do we go full, you know, single page app and like, you yeah. know, TDD and like build out all of our beautiful
2: code world. So I'm curious what you ended up doing on this project and what were some of the like, pitfalls uh, for the choices that, that, you, that y'all made.
1: Yeah, so I think this has been like kind of a theme in several projects where when you're starting with a core, like something Ruby on Rails or uh, Django with Python, you have pretty much all the batteries that you might need Mm -hmm. in there. And if you find like a boiler plate, then there's even more batteries. Like there's so many batteries (laughs) and like within a day you can kind of have something that looks like a site that somebody might want to use. Yeah. So that was definitely like a first place that we started at. And then we always like kind of kept in mind as we were going on, like, okay, like, do we need a single page app? Like every time that there would be the requirement or like an ask for like a user feature, be like, okay, like, is this the time? Like, do we need it right now?
2: My opinion is that you hardly ever need a single page app. And I I think that's a little controversial. I'm a big fan of serving HTML over the wire via and like a traditional Rebound Rails or Django sense. I think at least what I found in my experience is building out large React code bases leads to a lot of technical debt up front when, especially for really early stage companies, the thing that needs to be happening more than anything is building features. And so what's like the absolute fastest way to get features out into the market, into users' hands to start learning? And I, I think... Most developers, myself included, like to reach for the shiny. Like on day one, I'm going to set up a, a Rails API with a GraphQL um, interchange and a React front end.
0: Yeah, that and- sounds like that sounds like the app to build right there. Let's go.
1: <laughs> Bootstrap it. Or other side of the s- the fence. Okay, you just need HTML. Why don't you just build Gatsby with a headless CMS and Push it all out to the edge.
2: Yeah, (laughs) I think that some companies do that very successfully. I've never done that myself. I am a fan, though, of if we're trying to like spike or prototype on a feature, to just like starting a blank text file, throw some HTML and CSS in a text file and and, like get all the knobs and, and buttons on the page and like using that as an approach to getting software in front of people. I think I'm I'm really interested in this idea of how do you make sure you're writing the right software, right? I think most developers have fallen into, I've worked at places before where they work on a ticket or they work on a series of features. And it turns out that they're not actually being used, or it turns out that The actual requirement or or the actual need of customers slightly different and you know i've spent weeks and weeks and weeks building out software that was never used and so i think prototyping can come into play there just as much as it can come into play if you have no software and you're like an entrepreneur and and you want to get something out to market
1: yeah that's true that that is like the the biggest pain like Just like a stabbing pain in my heart of like (laughs) unused software. Like the feeling that there's so much lines of codes out there that is just never executed.
2: Yeah, yeah. And so I'm actually a proponent of not always like requiring software to be built inside your like big monolith or your big monorepo or like whatever sometimes it makes sense to just have, a, have an app over onto the side that does like one very specific thing that you as a company want to experiment with and, or, or using some sort of technologies that just lets you iterate on that really, really quickly. And so one of the things that I've been exploring over the past few months also is working with larger companies and helping them get product and features to market outside of their traditional development cycle. And so that's like, let, let's let talk about like, what is the, what is the goal you're trying to accomplish? And then how could we do this in a, in a no low code way and like a rapid prototyping way that gets it in front of your customers, but doesn't have to go through, you know, the traditional development cycle. And so I think that's really interesting and not a lot of companies are exploring that, but I, I think it's, you know, more and more are, and I think it's a really interesting idea.
1: Yeah. Like I guess... There's kind of like that guiding principle of like, what's the simplest thing that could work? Yeah. And I mean, if you have those kind of tools at your disposal and they're a good fit, then, you know, maybe the simplest thing that could work is, you know, no code at all.
2: Yeah. I think it, it requires a lot of rigor though. Um, And that's where I, at least in my experience, I've seen this not work for companies because what you don't want to do is end up in a place where a year down the road, you have all of these separate apps using all of these different technologies, doing all of these different things, um, and no one has a clear understanding of what all is involved in the tech stack. Really, what I what I tell people um, and the clients that I work with is um, we do this rapid prototyping technique to get your features and your, your idea out into the market experiment on it pretty rapidly. And then once we see it work, sort of wrap it back into the traditional development cycle. Um, And I think that wrapping back into part is what's often overlooked um, because it requires sort of stopping feature work and sort of bringing it back. And so one of the downsides of this approach is if you don't have that sort of rigor, then you end up with a lot of technical debt over, over the long term. Which I actually yeah. don't think is such a bad idea i you know I, I think as software developers we've come to to view technical debt as uh, this like scary thing or as like a, a negative term um, I actually think it's irresponsible for for companies at least in the very early stage not to incur technical debt because t- if you you know if you have technical technical debt that means you've there've been, there' there trade-offs that you've made and so if, if you're an early stage company, you, you have to be sacrificing code quality and long-term code maintenance and, and technical debt for sort of short, short-term gains because, you know, unless you have an unlimited pile of money, like, you sort of, you have to make, <laughs> to make this trade-off. Right. Like, there is
1: little business value in code poetry versus, like, right. exactly. usable features, so... You know, you gotta save all your good haikus and (laughs) (laughs) things like that for for later, and just get something on the page that you can you can
2: validate. So, I have a question for you, Dave. When do you think companies should reach for like single page apps, or more generally, like GraphQL APIs and sort of these heavier technologies?
1: Well. That's like kind of an interesting question because I think like it kind of depends on the talent and people that you have on hand. Mm, yeah, because totally. like if you have people who think in react and people who instinctively know that tech stack, then there may not be a lot of friction in like adopting that. Right? Yeah. So in this particular instance like we we did Switch from server rendered HTML to React and GraphQL. But it was a switch that took maybe like two or three days of work and a couple more days of like kind of rebuilding out to like the features that we had. The things that we gained from that were that we kept on seeing a lot of like reusable components in different places on the page and you can do that with server rendered html but it's definitely a different mindset and different yeah. uh skill that like I feel like a lot of us had not flexed in a while and we were more comfortable thinking in the paradigm of like how react works and so we actually found that when we switched over to react we sped up quite a bit in development despite overhead of getting there so like It kind of comes down to, I I think, you know, using the tools that you're most familiar with and you'll be able to be productive.
2: Yeah, I think that aligns really well with how I think about the problem too, which is you do the things that let you move the fastest. And sometimes that means that you make trade-offs and those trade-offs are okay because you're moving really fast. And that might be because you you pick a certain technology that your, your employees are very comfortable with. It might be because you use different tools that let you move things, move really fast, but you, you move really fast.
0: I do have a question. Is it ever too late to do the swap, right? Like you mentioned, if you're in doing prototyping, uh, Dave, you mentioned that y'all eventually switched, switched over to React. You know, Steve had the question of when when do you think it's a good time to do the change? You know, at first, my, my initial thought was, oh, when when you realize this is the product you want or whenever it makes money for you, when you see a goal to making money. But I feel like that may come later or earlier, and I don't know. So I'm curious, is there a, a point in time? Is it when you're building out a prototype, like, you know, you wait an extra month, right? Suppose, Dave, your team waited a month after the decision to move to React. Would it have taken more time to port the you know, application towards React? or like do you have to like start from scratch or whatever like how how difficult is it when you swap to a single page app later as opposed to as early as possible this is my question is there a con to to waiting to do the port like what would that be
2: yeah i would love to hear dave's answer to this too but <laughs> oh no it- wait i'm not ready yet you go first <laughs> Uh, Okay. (laughs) In my opinion, I, at least in my career so far, I've not found any hard and fast rules that apply that answer (laughs) that question. I think it's a lot of intuition and it's a lot of just sort of guessing. I I think the problem with, with switching over too late is that there's just opportunity costs that you're sacrificing. The problem with switching over too early is again, there's some like Opportunity cost of either moving too slow or not moving fast enough. So I'm not. I'm not sure. You know, I, I the my experiences where, where we've done those types of transitions, it's sort of been a lengthy team discussion, and it just sort of felt right. I've I've heard that a number of times. It just sort of felt right, and unfortunately, that's not super helpful. But that's that's where <laughs> I'm at.
1: Yeah, I, I I I think so as well. Like. There there's definitely a, a point at which it's like, okay, like if we, we feel like we're like pushing against the boundaries of the capabilities of the tool or our knowledge of the capabilities of the tools that we're using. And, you know, we have to figure out how to push past that. But like there there are other things that kind of may lead you in another direction. Like I I've there there are startups that I've worked with where, you know, their MVP was like emailing a person for them to like do the work for you. So it was like all like kind of very like Wizard of Oz, like man behind the curtain kind of thing. And yeah, you know, they, the person who founded the company, like had some cousins who lived back in like the motherland and it was like oh okay like an easy way to make a buck or whatever and like they didn't cut over from that model for a very long time because it was like it was working it was like really profitable and like it feels kind of like crazy to say that like that would be a thing but you know if it's if it's working then you kind of gotta roll with it
2: yeah. I, I think if you look back on the history of successful startups, the most successful startups do that longer than people want to admit or would like to admit. Uber is another great example. That was just a service where you filled out some like web form and they called a taxi service for you. And they did that for over a year. And so like I work with a lot of entrepreneurs today who sort of want the entire Uber experience on day one when
1: um, it actually reset their expectations. (laughs) It's like yes the the engineering excellence of the Uber organization
2: starting with a web form. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I think like I said, most successful companies start out pretty low fi and low tech and, and stay there for a long time, primarily driven by the fact that it's cheap and can be successful so yeah Uh, just
0: steven you got me like i'm ready to prototype right like i'm not gonna jump straight in right into my single page app you know i I had the thought that i wanted to do a react front end with the graphql back end but i'm I'm gonna pump the brakes
1: no but I'm, i'm gonna say like you don't gotta feel bad about it you know if you get to the point where you gotta do it then you just do it like it's fine
0: no, no but i want to prototype first because he uh, Steve's you, definitely sold steve sold me <laughs> on the prototype so in the next episode part two of this starting something the starting something saga as i'm going to call it <laughs> we're going to talk about prototyping and prototyping best practices uh and whether you know steven's been a little trickster and doing tdd while he's prototyping we'll get more of that on the next episode <laughs> Follow us now on Twitter at Radio Free Rabbit so we can keep the conversation going. Like what you hear? Give us a five-star review and help developers just like you find their way into the rabbit hole. And never miss an episode. Subscribe now however you listen to your favorite podcast. On behalf of our producer extraordinaire, William Jeffries, and my amazing co-host, Dave Anderson, and me, your host, Michael Nunez, thanks for listening to The Rabbit Hole.